Well, I am really glad to be here. I am so grateful to Pastor Sean for the opportunity to come down once in a while and open the scriptures and share my heart with the larger body of Coastal, and uh, it's really good to be here. So let me give you quick greetings from Coastal Community Church Gloucester. Uh, God is blessing us there. We have had two services. We had three Christmas Eve services, two of which were full. And uh, we were really grateful, and obviously, as we always say here, it isn't about numbers, but when God's hand is in a place, people come, right? And so we're grateful for what God's doing at Coastal Community Church on both peninsulas. I hear, I hear rumor that if you didn't get here early, you were scrambling for a seat at Christmas Eve here. So uh, next year, come at 1 o'clock, okay? Uh, there were a few more seats available, but not a lot. Uh, listen, I, uh, there are a lot of good reasons to have and maintain a regular devotional life. One of them is every once in a while, somebody's going to ask you to, to teach a class or to lead a small group, and you're going to need to come up with something that, that has really grabbed your heart at some time in your devotions. And, and I can tell you that's where this sermon is from. Um, I, I read this chapter of the Bible that I want to study with you today about six weeks ago in my devotions, and as I sat there with tears coming down my face, realizing the impact of this passage of Scripture, I thought, I have got to preach this somewhere. And uh, so I had this opportunity coming up, so I've been working on this sermon for six weeks, so I know we only have two services, but we may run as long as three anyway, just because... There's a lot here, and I am really anxious to share it with you. So, so no funny stories to start with or anything. We're going to jump right in. Is that okay with you? I know this is a new year, and, and uh, some of you are approaching this new year with a bit of trepidation. You're thinking, oh, man, if, you know, I've, I've seen people on Facebook. Boy, I'm sure glad 2018 is over. And we don't even know what 2019 holds, but some of you are thinking, man, it's got to be better than 2018. And some of you are a little concerned about what it might hold. I want to exalt your view of God this morning. Because if there's anything we need as we approach a new year, it's a reminder of how great our God is and how that translates to our life, right? So let me get right into it. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 40 today, and I'm going to cover from verses 12 down through 29. Those of you who've heard me preach before know I don't... I, I don't do big chunks well, so we're gonna, it's going to feel like we're going really fast. But there is so much here, and I wanted, I'll drive it home as I get to the end, okay? So we've got a, a one main thing we're getting to, but the, the title is messaged in, the message is titled, Incomparable. That's what I want you to think about as we leave. When you think about God today, I want you to remember there isn't anything that compares to my God. Verse, chapter, well, we're going to start in chapter 40. Let me go to verse 9. This almost became the title of the message, but I'm, I'm not going to actually preach this verse. But here's, here's kind of where it's headed. Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. I want you today to spend some time just thinking about who your God is. Now, I realize as I say that, that there may be some of you that are here that you don't have a relationship with God, you're not sure what that's about, you're still investigating the things of Christianity. I get that. I'm, I'm really happy that you're here doing that. I hope that as you, 
as you listen to what uh, God has put on my heart today, that it'll kind of help you think through the reasonableness of the faith of those around you who call themselves Christians. But listen, I want to begin in verse 12. There are a lot of pictures in this passage of Scripture that describe for us the awesomeness of God. It starts right away in verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? God, first of all, is greater than all other powers. He is all-powerful. These pictures are compelling, aren't they? We, I don't know if many of the rest of you watched Aquaman, but there was a funny little line in there. He got on dry land with the gal that was the other main character and was describing, she was all upset because they were in the Sahara and she was like, this place is ugly. What is the matter with, with dry land? What is with all of this? It's awful. He said, no, no, no. We have, we have forests and beautiful mountain ranges and all this stuff and we have these little tiny oceans. They call them lakes. And, and I thought, yeah, that's probably true because oceans are incredible. We were watching one of the Blue Planet things in the, recently about the oceans and all of the depths and everything that's involved in our oceans. Verse 12 says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? God is so big and so powerful, he can pick up the oceans in the palm of his hand. He's marked off the heavens with a span. What's a span? from the end of your pinky to the end of your thumb. For a little perspective, Voyager 2 just left our solar system. I know I sound like a scientist when I start talking like this. I found it on the internet though, so I'm sure this is true. <laughs> Voyager 2 just left our solar system on November 5th, 2018, just about two months ago. It was launched from Earth just after Voyager 1 in the summer of 1977 and has just now left our solar system. Its present location is some 11 billion miles from Earth, moving at roughly 34,000 miles an hour. Voyager 1 is further still than that and running faster. Voyager 1 will not approach another star for 40,000 years. What took Voyager over 40 years, God measures with a span. God is all-powerful. He is awesome. He's enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. Think beach with your beach pail. Get a scoop of dirt, drop it in the bucket. That's how hard it is for God to take care of the dust of the earth. He puts the mountains on a scale. He can weigh them. He can pick them up and move them. We're, we're all impressed with Kilimanjaro and Mount Everest and all these others. God could weigh them in a balance if he so was inclined. Now, I, I know and I understand all of this is anthropomorphism. I know, fancy word, right? All of this is giving human characteristics to God who is not a material being. He is spirit. But it's trying to help us understand how big God is by giving us some handles. So he's all-powerful. Secondly, he's all-knowing. 
Verse 13, who has measured or who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? All of those are rhetorical questions. Say, who did God call to say, listen, I'm not sure what to do here. What do you think? God doesn't need to do that. We go to our medical doctor because he knows more about our body than we do. We go to a mechanic because I do, because he knows way more about my vehicles than I do. We go to whatever professional we need to because there's always somebody who knows more about something than I do. And in my case, at least, there are lots of people who know more about various things than I do. So I consult other people. God never consults anybody. He doesn't need to because he is all-knowing. Verse 15, God is immeasurable. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. You know, you, you dump the bucket out, empty the pail of water, and that last little bit that shakes off, that kind of drops off, that's how big all the nations are in comparison with God. He is, they are like, they are accounted as the dust on the scales. You know what the dust on the scales was? Back, back in the days when they used the balance, the scales, before they put the weight on and the other thing on to weigh it, they would blow the dust off the scales so nobody could say they had anything extra on there. That's what the nations are accounted as in relation to, in comparison to, of God. He is greater than all other powers. He takes up the coastlands, or some would translate it islands, like they were fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations, oh, let's stop there. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. It, we could take every beast in the most impressive forest and all the lumber from it and it wouldn't be a sacrifice worthy of God. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We think we're something. We have the United Nations. Aren't we just something? The whole point of Star Trek, remember the Star Trek uh, TV series and then the movies and the ongoing series and then more series and reboots, All based on what? The fact that we have accomplished all of that. There's peace on earth. All of the nations are together. Now we're going to get all the universes together and all of the alien planets. We're going to new civilizations and, you know, all of that. We've accomplished everything. There's no sickness. We can fix all the sickness. We can do it. That's never going to happen. We are not all that, right? But we think we are. How does God look at that? Verse 4 of Psalm chapter 2, or the second psalm, he who sits in the heavens laughs. 
The Lord holds them in derision. God is not threatened by the United Nations. God is not threatened by anything that's going on in the world. God has not lost track of it. He's not lost control of it. Everything's not as much of a mess as we think it is. God is not bothered by all the little stuff going on down here because he's God. He is greater than all other powers. Secondly, he's greater than idols. Verse 18 asks a great question. To whom will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? What likeness could you make that would adequately represent God? Cultures, nations, religions have done it since the beginning of time, practically tried to carve out something, make something, or, or look to some other entity to say, oh, that's how big God is. He is greater than any idol. Of all things, an idol. Verse 19, I, I love how 18 and 19 goes. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will compare him with? An idol. Almost like he's saying, really? Of all things, you're going to carve a piece of wood and compare that to God? A craftsman casts it. A goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who's too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Wood, even the most beautifully expertly crafted gold idol can't stand on its own and it certainly can't go anywhere it just sits there and we want to put our trust and confidence in something represented by that idol it can do nothing but here's my greater concern because we live in such an enlightened culture that we don't have idols here I wonder about our idols I wonder if when about the first thing I grab in the morning carries around in my pocket, if that doesn't sometimes become an idol to me, that I spend more time like this at my phone than I do like this in prayer. I wonder about my retirement funds or my vehicles or my house or houses if we have more than one. I wonder about the things we place our trust and confidence in. God is greater than any of those things. He's greater than any idol. Verse 21. He's greater than the most powerful rulers. And before Isaiah uh, records or reports from these words from the Lord himself... There is an identifying thing going on here, okay? Some identifying characteristics. Verse 21, do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It's he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Now, that's the, that's, I'm stopping mid-sentence, but those are the identifying characteristics. 
This is, the, this is the one we're talking about, the one who sits above the circle of the earth. We'll, we'll look in a few moments at some pictures that have come from the Hubble telescope. You see pictures of Earth, you know, the famous Earthrise picture taken from the moon, and, and we see this incredible circumference of the earth. This describes God as though he sits there and we're just like little creatures scurrying around. The one who spreads out the heavens like a curtain and like a tent to stay in. You know, I thought of it this morning. Swung the shower curtain back, swung it back closed again, and thought that's all it really took for God to put the heavens together. But that's the God we're talking about. But here's here's how he is in relation to earth's rulers. Verse 23. It's that particular God who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely they are planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. Our problem is perspective. We look at what's happening right now in any given country, even our own, and we think, oh no, this is horrible. Look at the horrible things that are happening here right now. This is nothing to God. He is not worried about a partial shutdown of our government. Uh, never mind, I'm not going to go down that route. <laughs> Whosever fault it is, it doesn't matter because they're nothing to God. We look at rulers that have been horrible dictators for decades. We forget the perspective that God has been around since the creation, since long before creation, from eternity past. 30 years to God? And they're gone. And we hardly remember them anymore. He rules over every ruler. He plants them. He brings them to nothing. Even those we deem to be the most powerful rulers in history are carried off like stubble because God is greater than all the earth's most powerful rulers. One more thing. Verse 25, the question again is asked, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Who compares to God? This is in the context of history in which Israel is not far from being taken into captivity, the Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians viewed many of the uh, heavenly bodies of the solar system as uh, gods or godlike. And you know in Roman and Greek mythology and all of that, we've got uh, Mercury and Venus, and you know we've got uh, gods that are named by some of the heavenly bodies we know about. I want you to watch this video to think about how massive this, this solar system is, because this, this point is God is greater than our solar system. This is going to take a minute, and I've already trimmed it down to a minute, so just hang with me, okay, and watch this video.
That's, that's in the middle of a video promoting the Hubble telescope. Here's some of the things that it says about it as it follows that up. The Hubble telescope is the culmination of decades of human ingenuity supported by thousands of people on the ground, 32 astronauts on five servicing missions. It provided data for three Nobel Prize winners. One of the uh, astronauts that kept track of the Hubble, John Grunsfeld, said this, Hubble isn't just a satellite. It's about humanity's quest for knowledge. The only way to find the limits of the possible is by going beyond them into the impossible. I want to wish Hubble its own set of adventures that it may f unlock f further mysteries of the universe. Very impressive. Well, I got some mystery and knowledge to lay on them. Verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. Who created everything that we saw in that video? The Hubble telescope is truly an impressive thing. It represents the culmination of decades of human ingenuity just so we can see what's already out there that God made in the first place. He brings out their host. He calls them by name. When do you get to name something? When you either discover it or you uh, own it, or you make it. God made everything out there. He gets to call them all by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. How can we even send the Hubble telescope out into space or a Voyager going to track and explore without getting run over by random pieces of space junk because it all runs in a pattern set by the one who created it. We can follow the pattern, but we didn't make the pattern. God did. He is greater than anything we could possibly come up with. He's greater than all other powers. He's greater than any idols of our imagination. He's greater than the Earth's most powerful rulers. He's greater than the solar system and all of the expanse of space. So then Isaiah asks a question. If God is that great and can be in charge of trillions of stars and everything going on in the entire earth because his awesomeness has no limit and no bound. Verse 27, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? God is greater than my weakness. Oh, God forgive us for ever thinking we could come up with words broad enough to describe how great and awesome you are. But oh, aren't you thankful that God isn't just there 
I love the last part of this passage of Scripture, and many times this is the part we focus on. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. We get weary, right? I hesitate to admit this, but yesterday, it had been a kind of a busy week for me. Yesterday, I took two naps. One in the morning and one right after lunch. Now, my dad is pushing 90, 89 in February. He schedules his naps. He takes a couple every day. But I tell him, you're, you're allowed. You're 89. You've earned some naps. We get weary. We grow faint. God is everlasting, all-powerful, and all-knowing beyond our ability to understand. And from that reservoir, the inexhaustible reservoir of his power and his knowledge, verse 29 says, he gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God gives power and strength to those who wait on him. Some of you have come in here today thinking, man, I could sure use a dose of strength. You have been through recently circumstances. I know some of you have, have been through circumstances that have just worn you out. Physically, emotionally, and you're in need of some strength. I commend to you your heavenly Father, who from his inexhaustible resource will give power to the faint and increase strength to the one who has no might. To wait. There are two things behind that word that I think are really interesting. One is the idea of binding things together. It's a very interesting concept, kind of like binding up some straw to kind of make a broom. You, you bind it up, you get things kind of pulled in all together. I wonder... When we're in the process of waiting, if we ever think much about what God is doing behind the scenes, what is God binding together? What's he preparing? I was just talking with someone Friday evening who, who has been in a, a season of difficulty and is just coming out of it and is just now seeing what God was binding together during that waiting period. What is he doing in the background? Is there anything I need to be doing to remain faithful in the waiting? Is there anything that I need to be diligent about in the process while I wait on God? And then waiting has a sense of, of expectation. 
I mean, we love verse 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. And I know some people look at that verse and say, listen, I'd like to just walk at all, let alone not faint. I don't care about flying or running. The point is we have expectation for the future. If I am trusting in the God we've just spent time studying. If he really is greater than all other powers, than any idol that we could imagine, if he's really greater than all of the earth's rulers, even combined, if he's greater than all of the solar system because he's the one who made it and holds it together by the word of his power, if he's that great, why would I not have some sense of anticipation? for 2019 to wonder what God is going to do to accomplish his glory. So let me give you four thoughts to take home. I don't think there was room for them on your uh, handout. Number one, God is greater than you could ever imagine. I told my wife this morning, I came down here a little early. I was kind of glad we didn't have a an 8 o'clock service because I, I just needed more time to think this through and mull it over. I said, my greatest fear is that I don't give God the glory that he's due when I'm talking about how great he is. He is greater than we can comprehend and than we can imagine. Secondly, God sees you, and he is at work. Thirdly, you can trust him. We studied in Colossians last summer. He holds all things together by the word of his power. Nothing has escaped his attention. God never says, oh, I could have had a V8. Nothing. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? You can trust him. He will give you strength. Some days you just want strength for the day, right? Some days you want strength to get through the day so you can honor God to the best of your ability in the midst of a difficult situation. He'll give you that. Oh, I hope that you are anticipating not an incredible year where you're going to get you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Maybe you'll have all of that stuff in 2019. God's desire is for your holiness more than it is for your happiness. And he will give you strength to face whatever 2019 holds. I know uh, worship team's going to come back here, but let me, as I, as I wrap this up, let me just remind you, we've got a prayer team that is here. And if you've got some things on your mind and on your in your heart that you're saying, man, I'm just, I am, I'm sinking under the, the waves a little bit here, and I need somebody to come alongside of me and pray. You get one of those people with the little green badge that says prayer team. They will meet with you. They will meet with you up here or back in our prayer chapel as you leave the auditorium to the right in the room that's behind the cross there. Uh, they will spend some time praying with you to encourage you. And listen, if you're here and you're one of those that has never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation, listen, 
God put this all together so he knows how it works. You want to know how things work? Come to God. Make your relationship right with him through Jesus Christ. 2019 will be different. I can promise you this. Coming to Christ won't erase all of your problems. Am I right? Can I get an amen from Christians on that one? If anybody's ever suggested you come to Jesus, life's going to get amazing and great all of a sudden. Listen, it gets amazing and great, but it doesn't get easy. But that's not the point. You need to come to God because you are separated from him by your sin and you have no hope of heaven. And if you die without making your relationship right with God, you spend eternity in a place that was never designed for people. I plead with you to talk with one of these prayer team members, talk with one of these worship team members, come and grab me after the service. Let us sit down and show you how you can know for sure your sins are forgiven, you're on your way to heaven. We would love to, to start your journey with you as you walk with Jesus Christ. Well, listen, thanks again so much for uh, giving me the opportunity to be here today. I sure love uh, being around when I get lots of hugs from people and say, man, I've missed you. I know it's been an awful long time since I've been here, so I'm really glad to be back. Thanks for, for uh, listening along as we have tried to lift up the Lord. Let's, let's talk to him as we leave. Father in heaven, I feel uh, so uh, inadequate to express the greatness of who you are. And I think all of us sitting here, Lord, acknowledge that we, we're at a loss, and we're so grateful that you inspired Scripture like Isaiah 40 to help us express that, to help us get a little bit of a handle on how great you are. Lord, it is really beyond us. But I am so thankful today, Father, that your greatness does not preclude your closeness, that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you are close to those who are crushed in spirit. And I thank you that you give power to us when we're faint, and you give strength to us when we're weak. So I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning who are weak and are fainting, that they would draw on your strength. And I pray, Father, that as we enter 2019, oh God, would you allow us to reflect some of your glory to the people around us so that they can see the wonder of who you are. Make us, make us uh, people who long to reach our friends and our neighbors and our, and our family members, perhaps, with the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, so that they too can have a relationship with such a God as we've talked about this morning. We love you, we honor you, and even as we sing, as we leave, Lord, would you lift your own name and exalt yourself in our eyes and in our hearts today. For I pray in Jesus' name, amen.